Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. They do a great job. And you can find out more by visiting johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date. By reading Life in Naples, the website is lifeinnaples.net. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator. We'll also visit with Boo Mortensen. We'll find out what's new with Boo right here on the Paradise Coast. Seton Motley is the founder and president of Les Government. And we'll also visit uh, with my wife, Linda. She writes uh, greetings from Paradise. And... uh, We'll find out what's on her mind as well. It is May the 25th, and on this day in 1787, four years after the United States won its independence from England, 55 state delegates, including George Washington, James Madison, and Benjamin Franklin, convened in Philadelphia to compose a new U.S. Constitution. The Articles of Confederation ratified several months before the British surrender in Yorktown just six years earlier in 1781, provided for a loose confederation of U.S. states which were sovereign in most of their affairs. On paper, Congress, the central authority, had the power to govern foreign affairs, conduct war, regulate currency, and so on. But in practice, these powers were sharply limited because Congress was given no authority to enforce its request to the states for money or troops. By 1786, it was apparent that the Union would soon break up if the Articles of Confederation were not amended or replaced. Five states met in Annapolis, Maryland to discuss the issue, and all of the states were invited to send delegates to the new Constitutional Convention to be held in Philadelphia. On May 25, 1787, delegates representing every state except Rhode Island convened at Philadelphia's Pennsylvania State House for the Constitutional Convention. The building, which is now known as Independence Hall, had earlier seen the drafting of the Declaration of Independence and the signing of the Articles of Confederation. The Assembly immediately discarded the idea of amending the Articles of Confederation and set about drawing up a new scheme of government. Revolutionary War hero George Washington, a delegate from Virginia, was elected convention president. During three months of debate, the delegates devised a brilliant federal system characterized by an intricate system of checks and balances. The convention was divided over the issue of state representation in Congress as more populated states sought proportional legislation. Uh, and uh, smaller states wanted equal representation. The problem was resolved by the Connecticut Compromise, which proposed a bicameral legislature with proportional representation in the lower house, the House of Representatives, and equal representation of the states in the upper house in the Senate. On September the 17th, 1787, the Constitution of the United States of America was signed by 38 out of the 41 delegates present at the conclusion of the convention. As dictated by Article 7, the document would not become binding until it was ratified by nine of the 13 states. Beginning on December the 7th, five states, Delaware, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Georgia, and Connecticut, ratified it in quick succession. However, other states, especially Massachusetts, opposed the documents as it failed to reserve undelegated powers to the states and lacked constitutional protection of basic political rights, such as freedom of speech, religion, and the press. In February 1788, a compromise was reached under which Massachusetts and other states would agree to ratify the document with the assurance that the amendments would be immediately proposed. The Constitution was thus 
narrowly ratified in Massachusetts, followed by Maryland and South Carolina. On June the 21st, 1788, New Hampshire became the ninth state to ratify the document, and it was subsequently agreed that the government under the U.S. Constitution would begin on March the 4th, 1789. On September the 25th, 1789, the first Congress of the United States adopted 12 amendments to the U.S. Constitution, the Bill of Rights, and sent it to the states for ratification. Ten of these amendments were ratified in 1791. In November 1789, North Carolina became the 12th state to ratify the U.S. Constitution, Rhode Island, which opposed federal control of currency and was critical of compromise in the issue of slavery, resisted ratification of the Constitution until the U.S. government threatened to sever commercial relations with the state. On May the 29th, 1790, Rhode Island voted by two votes to ratify the document, and the last of the original 13 colonies joined the United States. Today, the U.S. Constitution is the oldest written national constitution in operation on, in the globe in the world. It is a 5,000-year miracle going all the way back to the Greeks and the Romans to have constitutional representation like this. It was a miracle. And yet, according to a handful of critical race theory proponents who want the controversial worldview to be taught in schools and dominate our society, reason uh, must be rejected and the United States Constitution should be burned. That, according to critical race theory. That's where we are right now in our society, getting this kind of a pushback on the Constitution. It is a wonderful document, and uh, we should treasure it. <clears throat> well, Florida is joining a growing list of Republican-led states that plan to end participation in a federal program that would give extra $300 a week in benefits to unemployed during the pandemic. The Florida Department of Opportunity, Economic Opportunity announced Monday that the state will withdraw from the Federal Pandemic Unemployment Compensation Program effective June the 26th. State labor officials say private sector employment increased by 18,800 jobs last month and more than 460,000 on job, online job postings were made throughout the state for job seekers. In other words, there's plenty of jobs out there, but we don't need this extra $300 a month. So I, this is a great decision, joining other conservative states getting rid of this extra $300 a month. Well, uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis signed legislation on Monday that looks to crack down on attacks on the freedom of speech by big tech companies such as Facebook and Amazon. The bill will aim to make it illegal for tech companies to remove candidates from or office from their social media platforms. When pressed by a reporter on whether he enacted the bill as a favor to deplatform President Donald Trump, DeSantis asserted the bill was for everyone and said, when you deplatform the President of the United States, but you let the Ayatollah Khomeini talk about killing Jews, that's wrong. By the way, that got big applause. DeSantis called big tech sites the modern-day equivalent of public square. Big tech oligarchs in Silicon Valley are acting as a council of censors, and they, cannot, they cancel people when mobs come after somebody. They'll pull them down. Well, we've seen that in the past. And here's uh, DeSantis goes on. What we've been seeing across the United States is an effort to silence, intimidate, and wipe out dissenting voices by the left media and big corporations. Today, by signing this bill, Florida is taking back the virtual public square as a place where information and ideas can flow freely. Uh, those who break the, law, the bill will face fines of up to $250,000 per day for the crime of deplatforming candidates for elected office. 
fines of $25,000 would face for lower, lower level offenses. Well, this is chump change, of course, to these big companies, but uh, hopefully it'll get their attention. The bill passed uh, about 77 to 38 in the House and 23 to 17 in the Senate. Congratulations. I think this is a great move forward. A majority of uh, Republicans still believe Donald Trump won the 2020 U.S. presidential election and blame his loss to Joe Biden on illegal, illegal voting, according to uh, Reuters. Uh, the May 17th to 19th national poll found that 53% of Republicans believe Trump, their party's nominee, is the true president, now compared to 3% of Democrats and 25% of all Americans. About one quarter of adults believe the November 3rd election was tainted by illegal voting, including 56% of Republicans, according to the poll. The figures were roughly the same in the poll that ran in November. So uh, this is not going away. I'm sure the Democrats expected it to, but of course, if we take a look at what's happening in these audits, Arizona State Congressional Congressman Mark Fincham said he expects the election to reveal massive fraud that involved electronic voting machines. He told Steve Bannon's war room that Democrats are now trying to stop the audit because he believes it will reveal rampant fraud in next year's in last year's election. The congressman added, preliminary findings of the audit point to potential foul play by election officials and voting machines in Maricopa County. This came after Joe Biden won the state of Arizona by a slim margin of only 10,000 votes out of 3 million. Uh, this is, so this goes on, and it's not stopping. According to GOP Ward, Chair uh, Kelly Ward, the audit is advancing in line with the schedule it's expected to be completed next month. On Saturday, two of the three auditors performing the forensic audit in Wyndham, New Hampshire, confirmed while not only the, uh, not, not only the issue ballot folds significantly affect how ballots are read by the town's Diebold ES2000 Model A voting machines, so uh, things are progressing in New Hampshire, and uh, it looks like there's real problems with the outcome. Uh, indeed, upon completing the experiment, the auditors explained that they discovered Wyndham's machines were reading the fold as they speculated with, according to Philip Stark, an astonishing error rate ranging from 25 to 72%. That's serious. And then radio host John Fredericks, he's got a, a show down in Atlanta, <clears throat> joined the uh, Steve Bannon's War Room to talk about the audit taking place in Georgia. He began by saying the two Georgia state senators have called for the Georgia Bureau of Investigation to get involved in the audit taking place in Georgia. I think this is a good move. I'm happy they're not getting the FBI involved. They'll do nothing. This isn't the only bombshell they dropped either. According to Fredericks, they have six affidavits from Georgia election officials claim, claiming that up to 30,000 Georgia ballots were fake. What do you think of that? So uh, this is all beginning to close in now. These audits are continuing, and I think it will reveal, my personal opinion, it's going to reveal that Donald Trump won the election because of uh, voter fraud. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also by Life in Naples magazine, be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with our state senator, Kathleen Pasadomo, and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show 
here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. I proudly serve on the board. I hope you check out the website, the FGA, uh, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. Again, thefga.org is the website. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Boo Mortensen. Right now we have with us our state senator, Kathleen Pasadomo. Kathleen, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. Always a pleasure to have you on the show, Kathleen. Thank you so much. Uh, senator, um, last week... <laughs> no, I'm Kathleen. We've been friends for a long time. <laughs> yes, we have. Uh, last week we were talking, and the gaming bill was going through. It looks like you reached... Uh, the governor has signed it now. Uh, any thoughts? Well, uh, you know, um, first of all, I think it's something that is important for our state. Right now, uh, with the Seminole Compact having expired, there is really no regulation. Um, and so with this compact, we are now regulating gaming. Um, the We have sort of two regulations. We set up a WHO gaming commission that would regulate the paramutuals, which right now aren't. And, and I think... I think uh, you know, that's one good thing. The other good thing is the money that the state has left on the table. We've uh, estimated about $600 million a year uh, uh, and guaranteed, I think, several billion over five years from the Seminole Tribe, and that would be very helpful in our budget. Yeah. Um, so and the, for those naysayers that are concerned about the effects of gambling, there's also um, 
uh, provisions for uh, the addiction process and and, uh, and counseling and all kinds of other things. So I think all in all, the, the gaming bill, the co- bills, the compact um, are are beneficial for the state. And you know, I I supported it, and you know, I think moving forward, it's going to be a a good uh, financial and regulatory process for the state. Thank you for that update. Uh, when does it take effect? Um, it, you know, that's a good question. I'm going to even look at the effective date. I think it's like 2022. Ah, okay. So uh, the reason I asked for that, because there's expansion of the things that can happen in Florida. I think, for example, uh, gambling on, on your cell phone and that kind of thing, which is which is fine. I mean, I'm just asking uh, when these new... Well, these new things can I'd take like place. I'd like to address that a little bit because, uh, right, you know, we're talking about sports uh, betting. Now, that um, that's something that is being appealed right now by, uh, you know, the no gambling or no casinos or whatever. The problem with, with um, the whole thing is that people are betting on their phones. They're doing, you know, through different states that, that allow sports betting. Sure. So because they're doing it anyway, and we're leaving that on the table... The other thing is we're going to highly control it. It's going to be the servers are going to be in the um, tribal tribal property, and they're going to manage it and probably micromanage it, and uh, the state will have benefits from that. So I, I think that it, it doesn't make sense not to do it. I agree with that. Uh, and quite frankly, if you, there's money for addiction and that type of thing, quite right. <laughs> we're all responsible for self-regulation. I mean, uh well, I won't get into that, but the, the point being... Yeah, is that, I know. We, we talk <laughs> about personal responsibility every week, don't we? Yes, I think we do. <laughs> so yeah, I'd also like to ask you about... Well, oh, first of all, congratulations on passing the bill. I think it's a big deal for our budget as well as for yeah. uh, uh, opportunities here in the state. So uh, the governor uh, went out of state and uh, went to Pittsburgh to give a speech for the uh, for the Lincoln... I guess it was the Lincoln... Uh, yeah, the Atkins Allegheny County, Lincoln, Reagan, Lincoln Dinner, whatever. Right, and so uh, I'm wondering, uh, you know, I assume that he's going to be running for governor again for a second term. What do you read yeah. into this? Well, uh, we know he's going to run for re-election, mm-hmm. um, and he's uh, he, he's favored to win. The Democrats don't really have anyone of his stature or his capability um, uh, that are... Uh, talking about running. Charlie Chris has thrown his hat in the ring. Val Demings is talking about it. But none of them have um, the intellect and the support that uh, Ron DeSantis has, Yeah. Uh, first of all. But secondly, I think depending on what happens in the presidential 2024, he might very well run for that office as the, well as a sitting governor. Mm-hmm. Um I think he'd do a great job. I think there's a lot of uh, uh, everybody's holding their breath to see what uh, former President Trump is going to do. Right. Um, I I think that he would be Ron DeSantis would be a clear favorite, and um, you know he's he's sought after for speaking all over the country. Yeah. Um, you know, even as as the governor of Florida, because of some of the policies that he's implemented and and what we've done, what we did in the election, and and um, some other things that he's done, our budget issues. Uh, he's, uh, you know, and he's, he's taking that message around the country. Uh, and quite frankly, I mean, he just fills up the office with uh, character, 
charisma. I, you know, he's become a lot better speaker. He's a lot, more, <laughs> a lot more interesting to listen to. And, and you know, quite frankly, he he is he would make a great president. He's just demonstrated great judgment in terms of his decisions and and what he does. Uh, you know, I think he'd be a great president. Quite frankly, now if if in fact. Uh, he uh, wins the election, let's say, in 2024, and he's currently the governor. What happens in, in uh, Florida? What happens to his vacated position? Well, the, the lieutenant governor would serve out his term, I believe, uh. and that is uh, currently uh, Jeanette Nunez. Um, I serve with her in the House. Uh, she's a smart lady, uh, uh, well-versed in, in statewide issues, Um he he gives her a, a number of uh, uh, policy initiatives she's been spearheading. Um, I think she would make a good uh, governor if he did a chump ship, if you will, yeah. and head off to Washington. I think we'd be in good hands. Right. Um, and then, of course, uh, we'd have another election uh, and, you know, see what happens. There's a, we have a lot of quality... Uh, Republicans in the state, yep. and uh, particularly in, in the legislature, and I, um, uh, you know, I have some colleagues that I would support in a heartbeat. Absolutely, and I, I don't know if you've noticed, but uh, our own Byron Donalds is getting a lot of press and a lot of uh, visibility in, in just the short term uh, up there yeah. in Washington D.C. So very proud of him, Marco Rubio, of course, our senators, uh, Rick Scott. Right, they're, they're just doing a great job. So uh, they are, they really are, and they represent us well, and I'm. You know, it's great to be a Floridian right now. No question about it. So, Kathleen, I would guess you're in kind of fundraising mode at this point? I am. I, my responsibility over the next uh, year and a half until the 2022 uh, election is to raise money for Senate campaigns. And so I'm traveling all over the state at different events and, um, you know, trying to get the message out because part of the problem we have a lot of our big donors uh, think that, all politics are, are national, and I'm like, no, no. Yeah. Your daily lives are basically run by our state, yeah. um, and so I'm trying to get the message out. Please contribute to our statewide election. Such an important point. Again, Kathleen Pasadomo, our state senator. I genuinely appreciate your time with our listeners. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, and have a great day. You as well, Kathleen. Thank you. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Boo Mortensen. We'll find out what's new with Boo. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the Intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. 
Golfshare Playhouse is passionately committed to enriching our cultural landscape by producing professional theater to the highest artistic standards and providing unique educational opportunities to folks in a spirit of service, adventure, and excitement. Over the past 15 years, the Playhouse has expanded immensely, outgoing its current facilities. With dreams of expanding even further in order to better serve the community, broaden the economic impact, and strengthen the cultural fabric of our region, it's time to build and move into a new home. A 44,000 square foot state-of-the-art theater and education center will be built on three acres at the corner of First Avenue South and Goodlett Frank Road, allowing Gulf Shore Playhouse to achieve those dreams. To find out more about Gulf Shore Playhouse, this state-of-the-art performing arts center, and about the season's exciting productions, visit golfshoreplayhouse.org. That's golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York style theater at its very best. I served as the uh, board chairman for 15 years. Very proud of it and what they're accomplishing right now. I hope you'll visit the website, Gulf Shore Playhouse. Org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Right now, it's time to find out what... <laughs> Boo just makes me smile when I say this. Time to find out what's new with Boo Boo Mortensen right here on the Paradise Coast. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, good morning. Good morning, Boo. So, hey... Uh- Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, uh, it's so refreshing to see so many people walking around maskless, and uh, just seeming, seeming to uh, enjoy the freedom that we have now. Oh, my heavens. Did you watch the PGA Golf Tournament on Sunday? There were tens of thousands of people there. It was sh- I think even the announcers were blown away by how many people. All crowded in. Nobody wearing a mask. Didn't see one mask. It was just incredible. And I'm not hearing about any kind of uh, spike in, in cases up there either. So uh, it was just really refreshing to see how free South Carolina is right there on the coast. Well, and you know what else was refreshing? Nicholson, at the old age of 50, compared to us, he's still a youngster. Yeah. But he won. He won the big prize and had a boy. You know what's really amazing about this is that he he was uh, 115th ranked 115th as a golfer. He didn't even he got a, a special invitation because he didn't qualify to play in the event. He spent the last couple of years training himself, learning to hit the ball further, meditation, concentration, doing everything possible to prepare himself mentally, emotionally, physically. And at the age of 50 and 11 months, he won. <laughs> and what a difficult course it was. Yeah, yeah. It was, wasn't it fun to watch? It was so much fun to watch. Against all those young guys that are bigger and stronger than he is. I mean, some of those guys are just beasts, you know, and how far they can hit it. And, you know, he hung right in there. He did. I mean, uh, golf is such a mental, it's such a challenging game emotionally and mentally. You have to stay engaged with every shot. It's so difficult to do. He did it, didn't he? You could see his level of concentration. Nothing distracted him. It was phenomenal yeah. to watch. Yeah, it was. And the crowds were so close. I mean, at the very end on the 18th, it took a couple minutes for Brooke Kapka to even get through to the green because <laughs> yeah. it was so crowded. Yes, I think he said that one of, one of the spectators kneecapped him. 
or something to that effect. He came out uninjured, so I guess he's okay. But uh, very cool indeed. So, uh, what so that re- it leads me to my next point of discussion, uh-huh. which is a third of Americans now say that COVID is done. The pandemic is over with. Well, what do you? I'm surprised it's only a quarter. Yeah, wh- I think it is. Yeah, you think it's over? You know, oh, I think there are going to be spikes, but I think it's you live with it now, and it's yeah, the, yeah. The, I, I agree with the. Uh, I probably am in the quarter where I think a lot of it in the United States, where we are, is over with. And forty-two percent of the people have lost confidence in Dr. Fauci. Flip-flop Fauci, huh? <laughs> well, and there's the, the information from the CDC has been so doctored. It's just inc- it's just uh, obscene what's going on. Did you know the CDC is altering the practices of logging data and testing for COVID-19 in order to make it seem the experimental gene therapy vaccines are effective at preventing the alleged disease? What they're doing is now changing the res- uh, if people have already had the uh, vaccine, they're changing the requirements for what it looks like to have COVID. So <laughs> the number of cases. You gotta be kidding. No, it's it, that's actually it's uh, it's on the CDC website. It's just it's on un- how how unethical this is is just unfathomable. Yeah, it's and you know I'll tell you right now it's so confusing. <clears throat> like the other day, uh, there were four women's shops that were right next to each other. I went in all four of them. Three said, nah, no mask, you don't have to. The, the fourth one said, oh, no, you have to wear a mask to get in the store. Now, where's the consistency is that? Yeah. It's just goofy. Yeah. It's theater. Yeah. Well, I know that's, that uh, they d- uh, Linda asked about it in, in one store. And uh, she, what they said is, look, we were told that it says you have to wear a mask in the store, but the employees were told to not approach anybody if they're not wearing a mask. Oh, I was approached when I walked in. Were you really? Mm-hmm. So interesting. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I, mean, I mean, the whole thing is still goofy. It is. And, and uh, you know, quite frankly, it's, uh, I, I'm concerned about what's happening in India, all these people dying and everything like that. The other thing that concerns me is that uh, there's no therapeutics as, a, as an alternative to uh, the vaccines, uh, and I, I'm a strong believer. I, I really believe that hydroxychloroquine is uh, a great therapeutic for the early stages of COVID-19, but the CDC or the FDA has not approved it. Ah. So what do you make of that? Now, well, it, to me, it seems like they're pushing this narrative of COVID as a, as a pandemic, yeah. that uh, everybody's going to get it. You have to be careful and fearful, wear a mask, all this stuff right now. And to your point, most people are now saying enough, no moss. We don't even believe that stuff anymore. <laughs> yeah, we're done. <clears throat> yeah. <clears throat> so I don't know. No, I, I, it's, it's, see, the inconsistency of it, like all those people that were there in South Carolina, no, no one had a mask on. But yet, if they flew there yeah. to get on a plane, to be in an airport, she had to wear a mask. Yeah. It's crazy. And, and uh, now, what did I read? They're charging in one stadium, and I forget which one now, they're charging more to go to a basketball game if you haven't been vaccinated or, or something to that effect. So it's, I don't like that. Yeah, un, uh, unbelievable. So back well, to... Well, speaking of sports... Yeah. Okay, so this is my this is my little conundrum question. Why is it, and this is not like 
a critical question. It's just a wondering question. It just seems that so many Latinos go into baseball. Uh-huh. Why is that? Well, I, because baseball now, this is my opinion. I don't have uh, research on it to, sh- to demonstrate that. But baseball is an international game, especially in the Caribbean and South America. And if you take a look at who the players are, they, many of them come from the Dominican Republic. Baseball, yes, baseball, in Cuba. Uh, uh, yeah, Cuba, baseball is a very, very big deal there. I mean, that's, you know, that's what uh, people do. They love baseball. They start baseball at an early age. Same thing in uh, Venezuela. And, uh, uh, for example, Xander Bogarts is from, I forgot what island he's from, but it's not, it's not a typical place where baseball players come from. Point being is, you know, if you're poor, growing up in a community, you get a baseball glove, you find a, a rocky field someplace with your friends, you go out and start playing baseball. Everybody dreams of becoming a professional baseball when they're young in the uh, Dominican Republic. Isn't that fascinating? I didn't know that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, uh, I thought they all played, you know, I thought a lot of those countries, the soccer was the dominant uh, sport, but baseball must be just as big. Uh, just as big, indeed. Uh, there's no question a big poppy came from uh, the Dominican Republic. So, I mean, you just go, go down the list of players and you see most of them come from uh, South America or from uh, that area. Uh, now, you think about it, now we're seeing a lot of Korean and Japanese players uh, here in the United States. Yes, yeah. Baseball is Yeah, a, isn't that fascinating? Yeah. All right, so speaking of Japanese do you think that uh, the Olympics are going to go forward? Well, they say they are, and uh, I, I believe they, they're asking that all players or all participants get vaccinated, and they're trying to take precautions, but uh, I think it will. What do you think? I think it will. I think it will, even though um, now a lot of the Japanese businesses are also jumping into the mix and saying, oh, we don't think it's safe, we shouldn't. There's yeah. a, a new surge of COVID over in Japan, and the Olympics Olympics is only two months away. Yeah. Well, I just think we started the conversation of what would happen in South Carolina. I think the same thing can happen in uh, Japan as well. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. Um, I hope, I mean, I love the Olympics. I just love those two weeks of watching it. I love it. Yeah, it is fantastic. Well, again, Boo Mortz, it's always a pleasure to have you on the show. Appreciate your commentary so much. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure. Have a great day. You as well, Boo. Thank you. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. 
Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me, and he'll help you too. You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to BobHarden at Hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-389 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host... Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social, a new refreshing social networking platform. You can find out more by visiting choicesocial.us. Coming up, I'm going to visit with my wife, Linda. Always entertaining. Right now we have with us Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Seton. Tell us about Less Government. Uh, I'd I like to, but there isn't any. Um, <laughs> yes, but we're working towards it. Yeah, we're trying, yes. We are indeed. Uh, Seton, you wrote a really informative column about Eisenhower predicting fake science, virtue lockdowns, big tech, and leftist colleges. You think about the uh, military-industrial complex, but that speech included a lot more. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Of course, you know, historians are almost entirely leftists, so... The, you know, there was a great line from Winston Churchill when he when he lost the election after winning World War II, which is kind of like a, a greater degree of Trump. Um, but anyway, uh, he said, "They said, will history will history remember you kindly?" He said, "Yes, for I intend to write it." Um, <laughs> That's and, a great. I didn't and, know that. And um, most historians are leftists, and. Uh, they wrote history the, of the speech the way they wanted to write it. Yeah. And he warned about, he used to, I read an anecdote where he opened some magazine like Newsweek or Time or something, and it was an ad from a military contractor in the magazine, and he threw it in the fire. He was so angry that, it'd be, that, the, that the military procurement process had become that commercialized and that uh, non defense related he was very upset by that and so he warned about this military industrial complex in the speech and of course the historians are leftists and don't like the military so they jump all over that and they leave out the rest of the speech and the rest of the speech is phenomenal i mean it is it's amazing how appreciative he is in 1961 yeah he warns about he said you know he saw the manhattan project which was the government getting involved to develop a nuclear bomb before, uh, you know, other countries did. Uh, Russia, I think, had beaten us to it. Um, so, but anyway, to, to get to a nuclear bomb, and he immediately saw the warping and damaging effects of government involvement in science. Because the, 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 the science chased the money from yep. government rather than 
looking for what was new and what was best for humanity. Right. And, of course, gee, 60 years later, that doesn't look very prescient, does it? Look at climate change, for example. Um, As just one example, you know, government gets bigger if climate change is real. So where do all the government dollars go? Oh, to the pro-climate change alarmists. Uh, None of it goes to... (laughs) Uh, you know, anyone who's at all skeptical about it. All the research money goes... Um, I, I couldn't find the stat, I, I, so I didn't put it in the piece, but I remember this from somewhere years ago. $7 of research is spent on AIDS for every $1 on cancer. Is that right? Now, if that isn't politicized funding, I don't know what is. Yeah. But anyway, you can think of a trillion different examples. Well, then he goes on to worry about, worry about a technological elite... And what he before he warns about that, he says this is this government this level of government involvement is going to poison the private sector too. It's not just the government about which we have to worry. There's going to be a technological elite that controls public policy. Hello, big tech. Wow. It's Hello, hard, big tech. Hard to believe you know, that Eisenhower, Eisenhower made those comments in 1961. 61. Yeah, amazing. Uh, in January of 1961, before his January 20th exit of the White House. So, yeah, you know, now we have Google and Facebook and Amazon and, and Microsoft dictating policy. You know, we, we hear a lot of really big talk out of D.C. We've got to end Section 230. We've got to amend Section 230. Section 230, for people who don't know, is, is about 30 words of, law, of 1996 law that it immunizes big tech companies or tech companies from uh, liability for third-party content. Well, that sounds like a good idea at the time, uh, and it's a good idea for small companies, but because they were completely immunized from everything, a stupid social media platform, which is just an Internet comment section, glorified, uh, became worth $700, $800 billion. Yeah. Because of this cronyism, because of this government cronyism. Well, is that going to be fixed now that Facebook and Google and Amazon are running D.C.? The technological elite of which Eisenhower warned? I, I'm dubious. I would say no. Uh, absolutely not. And, 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 of course, it's not just that. It, it, that. That protects their size. I think that's the crux of this. This is the thing that needs to be eradicated or at least modified to only apply to small companies but anyway they write tax and immigration policy uh-huh. uh, they, they traded immigration policy they exported as many jobs as they possibly could and then they get government to give them visas to import jo- uh, foreigners to do the jobs they couldn't export right so you know google hires ver- relatively very few people for their trillion two trillion dollar valuation and they want to hire foreigners to do it <laughs> in America. Right. So they're, not, they're hardly creating any American jobs at all. Um, and they can dictate policy. Biden comes in and I think triples the number of H-1B visas that, that Trump had lowered the number to. Yeah. Because big tech wants it. Yeah. Um, you know, the tax policy. Amazon in 2019 paid income tax for the first time in three years. Wow. <laughs> because... Under Obama, he didn't. They didn't pay income tax. They make forty, fifty, sixty billion dollars a year and pay zero income tax. So it's just it's a complete 
domination of our, of our national lives, and, of course, the speech problem. You know, Eisenhower warned of the elite, the private elite, the technological elite, running public policy. Well, that includes our constitutional rights. Right. You know, if, if, if big tech decides to erase you, you're erased. I just saw a completely, I saw it after I published this piece. I'm probably going to write about it next week. Completely unself-aware, unaware of what they're writing as they write it. The Washington Post published an article that said, gee, Donald Trump has almost no web traffic. <laughs> well, yeah, big tech kicked him off the web. Of course he has no web traffic. So You moron. You talk about an $800 billion valuation for Facebook. How much of that do you think Trump created? Um, some of it, some of it. Uh, you know, that's another bait and switch that I wish we'd file a class action lawsuit on. I, I knew, I spoke to the late Herman Cain before he died. His his Facebook page. He spent, he estimates close to three million dollars on Facebook ads to get likes for his page. Wow! Right? Yeah. And then they decide, okay, he's a he's a menace to society, they rewrite their algorithm, and 99% of his traffic goes away. My goodness. Seton Motley... But does he get his money back? Does he get his $3 billion back? No. No, <laughs> of course not. And there's a, I know a bunch of groups, like the uh, Tea Party News Network, basically went away because, yeah. because they built up a multi-multi-million-like following on uh, Facebook and Twitter, and then Facebook and Twitter decided to shut them down after taking their millions of dollars in ads, yeah, Seton, and they basically couldn't get traffic anymore and went away. You know, I just want to come full circle on this. All this, again, predicted uh, by... <laughs> by Eisenhower by, to the, to the, to the, the crossed, uh, cross T and the dotted I. Unbe yes. Unbelievable. The, the military-industrial complex, the Eisenhower speech back in January of 1961. Seton, it had way more than the military-industrial complex in it. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Seton Miley, again, the founder and president of Less Government. I genuinely appreciate your commentary here on the show, Seton. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much, sir. My pleasure, indeed. And again, you can visit lessgovernment.org and find less government on Facebook. Okay, coming up, my beautiful wife, Linda. She's going to visit with us and find out what's on her mind. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. The dining scene in Naples is among the nation's finest. Get a first-hand experience with Naples Culinary Walks. Join a guided food walk with a terrific guide in a small group through elegant Naples neighborhoods known for destination restaurants. In three hours, you'll stop for small plates on your chosen tour. Dining walk choices include morning, afternoon, and evening offerings on 5th Avenue South, Downtown 3rd Street, Waterside, Galleria Shops at Vanderbilt, and more. Prices begin at only $46 a person, depending on the tour you select. To find out more and to make a reservation, visit NaplesCulinaryWalks.com. That's NaplesCulinaryWalks.com for a great value and a terrific dining experience. Do you 
have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. We have with us Linda Harden. That's right. She has the same last name as me. She's my wife. <laughs> my wife. She also writes <laughs> greetings from paradise. Linda, thank you so much for joining us. Good morning. Good Lots mo- of stuff to talk about. Boy, there sure is. And uh, yesterday we watched such an interesting, I'm going to call it a documentary. I don't know. Um, you know what? It, it's the Tucker Carlson um, Today. Today Show yeah. is, is streaming on Fox uh, nation, but you know what? Uh, when I put it on, tried to reach out to people to tell them to watch it. One of our friends uh, actually pointed it to me on YouTube that it can be found on YouTube. Oh no, which kidding. is great because uh, people need to watch that interview. Yeah, so this is Peter McCullough, as I recall. Right. He's a medical doctor and, and his, a very smart one. Oh my! Goodness. I mean, not that all doctors aren't smart, but this guy is really, really amazing. He had great information, and of course, he's. He's, he was speaking to the whole notion of vaccines, to the vote of thera- therapeutics uh, with regard to uh, COVID-19. Uh, I think you'll probably do a better job of providing some sort of summary of what he had to say. Uh, well, just one of the highlights of that show, which I just can't get over, and Tucker Carlson was astounded. I don't think he had any notion that he was going to get the information that he received from Dr. McCullough. I agree, yeah. But, but one thing that absolutely bowled me over is that he, this Dr. McCulloch said that in Australia, a doctor who treated somebody with hydroxychloroquine was thrown in jail for six months. Right. I mean, you may, you may recall uh, President of the United States, Donald Trump, said, well, you know what, uh, we should take a look at hydroxychloroquine. Because it's a great therapeutic and it's inexpensive and it's a bit tried and true and all that kind of thing. Nope. And and it, you know what? There's parts of Africa I've read that don't have COVID nineteen spreading, and, and the reason why is that you can buy co- uh, hydroxychloroquine on the over the counter, uh, and and that's what people are taking in order to, to uh, as a therapeutic. The other thing that just stuck in my mind, even this morning, is that when when patients now come in with coronavirus or, or whatever, we're not supposed to treat them. Yeah. Uh, what? <laughs> yeah, that is exactly right. That was, that was astounding to me. 
We had a friend that got uh, COVID-19, and she called one of these MD things. What is it? I've forgotten. Uh, Frontline doctors. Frontline doctors. So she got on the web and frontline doctors, and she got a prescription for some stuff to uh, help her with regard to COVID-19. But apparently, medical doctors here in the United States are not supposed to provide uh, therapeutics or treatment for COVID-19. You either go to the hospital, you get better, or you die. That apparently, that's that's the... And when you go to the hospital, you die. Yeah. Because because by that time, what did he say about the blood clots and all that stuff had begun? It, all the stuff that had gotten so severe. Yeah. And and there's, he says it's so easily treatable when first diagnosed. So I'm uh, I, I'm not sure that Linda and I are getting all the details of this totally correct. And the important thing is, I strongly recommend you go to YouTube and check out uh, what's it called? It's called Tucker Carlson Today. Right, but just but just uh, plug into YouTube, Dr. Peter McCullough, M C capital C U L L O C H, um, and and watch it, or or email either Bob or or me, and and I'll send it to you because yeah. you need to you need to watch this, and yeah. we need to watch it again. Oh, by the way, yeah, I would agree with that. And by the way, Tucker Carlson today is a great show. He's had some great guests on, and I'll what's her name? I forgot. Uh, the one that he had. Oh, Kirstie Alley. Kirstie Alley. It was so interesting to see. It, that interview was amazing. Uh, uh, but so, several others are quite good as well. So I would, uh, I do recommend the show. And, and what I like about it, it's not, you know, most of his interviews are very short on the evening show, which, by the way, we watch all the time. Uh, but these are extended conversations with people so he can really explore the issues uh, with them. And uh, it's a really good show. He does well, a great job. Well, it, to compare the two with just... A little bit with um, Dr. Peter McCullough and Kirstie Alley. What's so amazing, if you just pay attention to it, is that Kirstie Alley was bringing up about all the drugs in this country, yeah. and that they're so quick to diagnose um, something. And here's a drug to take. Here's just just. But but for COVID nineteen, can't do it. Yeah. Can't treat it. What's wrong with that picture? Yeah, that's a great that's a great point because uh, that's one of the things that it's very suspicious about the medical community is that oh you got symptoms for this here take this drug <laughs> and and here's the other thing the drugs normally they're not they're treatments they're not cures so that you know, if you're going to start taking a drug many times in many cases you're taking it for the rest of your life which I think is totally wrong I know our medical community can do better again this this is just my point of view and uh, I'm not. Uh, we have lots of good doctors and people that do a great but, job. But, but look at all the look at the all the deaths and and tragedies that have come from drug dependence and, and overdosing. Yeah. And, and which is Christy Alley's point was, why don't you just go and find out what's wrong with you, and, and instead of instead of downing a bunch of drugs to try and yeah, she and was dead a, in the process. She was a, especially concerned about psychotropic drugs, which have absolutely no proof that they actually work. And people are taking Ritalin and all kinds of things in order to treat their mental and uh, emotional problems. When in fact, her point of view is: Look, if you got a problem, let's talk about what the problem is and get it and and, and talk it through and get it fixed. Right, and she's, um, it, you know, it, it's a big question mark. Yet, yet for for COVID nineteen, now they're telling people, don't treat it. Yeah, there's something wrong here. You know what? I, and I had this on my mind, and we were having dinner with this friend of ours at. Uh, had COVID-19, and I was especially interested in what she had to say about how she got on the computer and how she found, she ended up uh, getting a prescription online uh, to treat this thing, which I think is great, but it's, 
how disappointing that your doctor, or most doctors, I would say, uh, uh, don't are are told or advised not to treat it. You know what that doctor called last night? He just kept saying something's up. Yeah, something's up, and then which 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 brings me to the current news this morning, which uh, which says that um, Dr. Rand Paul had a death threat because guess what? He said he wasn't going to get the vaccine because he had already had COVID-19 and he has antibodies to fight it. So until something says otherwise that he can't, that he can get it again. And what did Dr. McCulloch say last night? Yeah. You don't get it again. Right. If you, if you had, if you get it, that's the best, you know, a vaccine is uh, absolutely no help. It could be harmful. And uh, you, you will, uh, you're, once you have it and it goes away, you're not going to get it. So that was McCulloch's point of view. Well, and, and, and yet they're, they're pushing and pushing and pushing this vaccine. They're having a lottery in Ohio yeah. that says that um, if you take the vaccine, your name will be entered into a lottery that will um, win you $1 million. Wait a minute. Yeah. If, this, if this thing is so curable, why are we doing this? And not only that, the CDC is changing the uh, requirements uh, or the testing for people that have already had, had the vaccine. Uh, the test is much, much more stringent about whether uh, they have COVID vi- vaccine after they ta- or have the uh, uh, COVID-19 after they get the vaccine. The point being is that why is the CDC cooking the books? That's my question. And they seem to be cooking the books on a lot of front, including Again, we go back. We've talked about that. Six percent of the people who die from COVID or with COVID nineteen, only six percent of them die from COVID nineteen. The others are from other comorbidities. There's there are so many question marks here, and you know, getting back to Rand Paul for just a minute, he's been so outspoken on this, and and butted heads with Dr. Fauci numerous times. Yeah, and you know what that tells me? Rand Paul is over the target. Rand Paul is hitting something that they don't want to be to be out there. And by the way, Fauci's beginning to sing. He says, "Yeah, I sent money to the <laughs> to, to uh, the Wuhan lab." All of a sudden, he's changing his tune. I think that guy ought to be in jail, quite frankly. But uh, anyhow, Linda, I always appreciate your comment. Are we done already? Yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> we'll have to have you on for another segment. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome. All right. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, tomorrow, we're going to visit with Bob Levy. He's the chairman of the Cato Institute. We'll be continuing our conversation about gun control and the Second Amendment. Very important topic. Uh, Andrew Jopp is a professor and author of Josephus of Ozzy. I always appreciate his commentary on what precedes politics is, of course, culture. And uh, we'll, we'll visit with uh, Andrew as well. And then Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Space Architecture and author of many, many books, What Makes Us uh, Human Beings uh, Special. That's not the exact title. I don't have it here in front of me, but the point is he's a great author and uh, he does great writing. Larry Bell at the, from the University of Houston. I always appreciate your comments here on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com, bobharden at hotmail.com. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network.
For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharton.com. <laughs>